Today we're starting the series on Ruth, and so we are excited. If you uh, have a Bible, you can go ahead and uh, open it up. Uh, we're going to be going through the book of Ruth. You know, we just finished an awesome series on uh, Judges. Wasn't that great? We have all of our, a lot of our elders speaking, and hasn't that been nice to be able to hear different voices and perspectives? And so we are, can I give this to you? Thank you, Jordan. You know, uh, we, we are excited to be moving to the next book of the Bible, the book of Ruth. You know, a few years ago, I was watching PBS because I'm very cultured and I like to watch PBS. Uh, no, I don't know. I was probably flipping channels and I, I just happened to uh, watch. I only watch PBS if they have like, you know, one of those fundraisers for Yanni or something. And then, oh, Yanni's on. I got to watch Yanni. Or... Uh, Anyway, something like that. Or I catch one of these great movies. And this documentary, it was called Wasteland. And Wasteland uh, it just tugged at my heart right away. You know, it's a, it's a documentary that um, chronicles uh, going into the world's largest landfill dump in the world. So it's in Rio, just outside of Rio. The, the movie is about these garbage pickers which in Portuguese they're called catadores. And these catadores are uh, living in the dump. They're trying to find out anything that can be recycled. They pull out of the garbage. And there was an artist, uh, he's a Brazilian artist named Vic Moniz. And Vic decided to go into the world's largest landfill and meet the people. He wanted to show them that they mattered, that they were valuable. And he was going to use their lives to show that they counted and make something beautiful of something that was like ashes. God does that, right? He makes beauty from ashes. And so Vic Moniz went in there and he met them and they did this documentary and they were make this art and then they would sell it and give the proceeds to the people to help them be lifted out of poverty I was so amazed that by the end, I was just crying, and it was like, wow, this is awesome, you know? And just love how that artist, Vic Moniz, he saw what the value in those people, he saw the beauty in those people to help them to believe that they were more than just trash pickers. You know, these people, they were so beautiful, weren't they? Everybody is, but they didn't know it. You know, they were so valuable, but they didn't know it. They had lost their way in life for whatever reason, and Vic was helping them find their way back. You know, they were in a wasteland of sorts, weren't they? Where things had been thrown away, but also people had been thrown away. You know, Romans 8.28 says, And we know... That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And God will take even the hardest things in our lives, the places that we go to, that we end up in, and we feel like we are living in a wasteland. We are going through a really hard time in life. And he uses it and makes something beautiful out of it. He makes something beautiful out of ashes. He turns our wastelands into promised land. That's the title for today, going from the wasteland to the promised land. And we're going to go through the book of Ruth. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open it up to Ruth. You know, 
The book of Ruth starts with pain. It starts with heartache. And it starts with a lot of uh, similarities you would see thinking in this movie. How so? We're going to go through that in a second. It's a story of tragedy. It's a story that begins in the wasteland. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. We'll start right from the beginning. In the days when the judges ruled, we just went through the book of Judges. That's why they put Ruth right after Judges. In those days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Wasteland. It's a famine already going on. Imagine no food. What are you going to do when there's a famine? You have to leave. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So they're leaving the promised land, Bethlehem, Judah. They're leaving the promised land because there is a famine. So they have to go to a nearby country, nearby area, Moab. The first verse, we see the context which the book is written, right? And the book of Judges, it was very... I loved how our elders, as they were preaching, talked about how if they honored God, God would bless them. If they didn't, then God would have to correct them, bring them back. And, you know, so many times the judges would help the people to honor God and bring them back to the right course, but it was short-lived, wasn't it? People did other things, worship other gods, and do all kinds of things that God didn't want them to do. They weren't obeying the law, and the book of Judges ends like this. In those days, this is the last sentence of the book, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit, and it reminds me of today. You know, we don't have a king in our culture of King, our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, yes, we are here, we love God, we love Jesus, and most of our culture, unfortunately, does not. So that's a kind of a similarity I see going on in the book of those days and the Ruth kind of world that Ruth lived in, kind of world that we live in today. You know, a culture that did not love God, did not commit itself to God, where people did as they saw fit. And you know, right now our world is ravaged by sin, we just saw. Could you imagine people living in a landfill? Happens all over the world, though. Happens right here. We were, unfortunately, living, uh, we were working in the Next Step homeless shelter, and you start to talk with these people. You sit down, and you just, your heart breaks for what they're going through. And you can't even imagine yourself in that situation It's happening right here. We see the effects of sin all around us. Heartache, hurt, family breakups, drugs, accidents, death, destruction. Yes, life is good. God has blessed us. And we are so blessed, aren't we? But so many times, all around the world, all around us, we see the effects of sin. And it happens and it starts right here in our human heart, doesn't it? So all of us have sinned. And it weren't for the Lord Jesus, his grace and his mercy in our lives, we probably wouldn't be following we wouldn't be following Jesus at all. And we wouldn't probably wouldn't be here today. So this is the world that Ruth lived in, Naomi lived in, worlds ravaged by sin, there was famine in the land, and they had to leave the promised land to go to Moab to live, it says, for a while. So Ruth 1, verse 2, the man's name was Elimelech. His wife 
His name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. So their whole family went to Moab. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and he, she was left with her two sons. Her husband died. They married a Moabite woman, one named Orpah, and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died. So first the husband died, Naomi's husband, then the daughters-in-law died, Naomi's sons. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So you see all the tragedy the story starts with. She had lost it all. Naomi had lost everything. Wow. Living in a wasteland, right? Ruth lost it all, lost her husband. What does she do? You know, I was thinking, it reminds me a lot of Job. Wasn't it the story of Job? He lost his whole family. Right there at the very beginning of the story of Job. Putting it into context, we see, wow, this is a story that's filled with tragedy right from the beginning. And it might remind you of your life or something you're going through right now. Maybe something you've battled and gone through. We have all had our own devastating times, haven't we? I know I have. And I still have so many different challenges. And it seems like we don't know where to turn, what's going on. We lose hope. And we feel a lot like these people who are living in the garbage. The good news is that, the amazing thing is that, God wants to help us find wholeness. He wants us to find healing. He wants us to find redemption. And his name is Jesus, the person of Jesus, the hope that Jesus offers us. That's why we send teams to Alaska and Thailand and Japan and different places so that people can come to know him and walk with him and follow him and experience hope and then pour it out into the lives of the people around us. So Naomi and Ruth, where are they going? They're walking the road back home to the promised land. They're on their way from the wasteland and they got to head back home to Naomi's home to the promised land in Bethlehem. Ruth 1, 6. When Naomi heard, Mo- that heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah, the promised land. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. No. Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No. My daughters, it is more bitter for me, for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. So Naomi loved her two daughters. They became daughters to her. They were daughters-in-law. And she wanted the best for them. She's like, just go back to your home. You can find other husbands. 
There's no use sticking around with me. Go back to your own people. And so one of her daughters, Orpah, she says, okay, if you insist, I'll do it. And she goes back to her home. Verse 16, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if, if even death separates you and I. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. She gave up. Okay. So we can learn a lot from Ruth's example on how to find hope for ourselves as we're going through these times, but also how to give hope to others who are struggling in the wasteland. So how do you go from the wasteland to promised land? Number one, you can write it in your bulletin. Choose to be there for one another. Choose to be there for one another. Your presence is so, so important. You know, I was thinking about what is a great example of this? Somebody who just coming to be with us. And I was thinking of Father Damien. Father Damien, such an awesome, radical life. Somebody who was born in Belgium and he became, his family was poor. He ended up going to college. He ended up becoming, studying to become a Catholic priest. And he left to come to Hawaii. And so he was actually sent to Kohala at first, where the Miyamotos are. And then he was assigned to Molokai Kalapapa with the lepers. And those who had Hansen disease back in the day, uh, there was no cure. And so the kingdom of Hawaii at the time, they set aside a place for them that was secluded, that was blocked off by the mountain range. I think even now you can only get in by mule. I actually flew in down on a little Cessna. There's a little airstrip there. But it's really secluded. And Father Damien, when he got there, it was May 10th, 1873. He was the first volunteer. He arrived at the isolated settlement in Kalapapa where 816 lepers lived. And it was presented by Bishop Louis Margaret. And upon his arrival, he spoke to the assembled lepers and said this, I will be one who will be a father to you, who loves you so much that I will not hesitate to become one of you, to live and to die with you. Amazing self-sacrifice. And you know, Father Damien, he worked so hard. He was building the church, but he was also building them spiritually, giving them hope also building schools for them and living and working. And he would not eat separately. He ate from the same bowls, the poi. And he eventually contracted Hansen's disease himself. And you know, he said this six months after his arrival there. He said, he wrote back to his brother in Belgium. He said, I make myself a leper with the lepers to gain all to Jesus Christ. All things to all men. And so 
he contracted Hansen's disease, leprosy, and he died April 16, 1889, at just the age of 49, so young. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die. An amazing story, isn't it? Shows us so much of who Jesus is in our lives. As he came to be with us, came to become one of us, came to become sin, the Bible said, on the cross, on our behalf, so we wouldn't have to go through it alone. So he would remove the punishment of sin from our lives and we can experience hope. We can experience friendship and true unconditional love. The story of Father Damien's amazing. And you know, in this story, in the book of Ruth, Ruth is that person. God is pointing to Ruth. Look at Ruth. Look at her example. She's God's vehicle of grace. And she drove up that vehicle right on Naomi's lawn. And she said, Naomi said, get out of here. Get your vehicle off my lawn. She said, nope, I'm not moving it. I'm parked right here. Get off. Go home. Nope. I'm going to go with you. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Your people are going to become my people. Where you die, I'm going to die. She didn't move. So she didn't have to be with Naomi, but she did. She refused to leave her. She was totally committed, wasn't she? Total commitment. We see that in the life of Father Damien. Just burn the boats behind me. I am all in. And I love that with that movie too. You see Vic Moniz go in there and as he's doing the documentary, becoming friends with them and loving on them and giving them hope. Being with them. Your presence. Be there for one another. Ruth's love was unconditional. It was loyal. It was present. And that's what God's love for us is like too. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, God says to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Proverbs 18.24 says, The one, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Wow. So Naomi and Ruth, they were walking down that road together back home to Naomi's hometown. And a lot of times when we're walking this road to redemption, trying to find healing and wholeness out of our wasteland, okay, I can do it. We can do this. Okay, somebody's coming alongside and helping me and walking with me, right? Just like you're doing, Adina, in Alaska, speaking into their lives. And then we somewhere down the road, we get a little discouraged, right? Because we start to say, oh, wait, maybe I can't do this. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I don't really know Jesus. Maybe because I have that thought or did that thing, then maybe I don't really deserve to be called a Christian. And I can't offer hope to somebody else or even have a good relationship with Jesus. And all of us get like that somewhere down the road. That's what happened to Naomi. That's what she was feeling. Verse 19. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. Wow, they made it back home. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. What? 
Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. And that's what it means. Mara means bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back on empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. And so you see, she's just feeling terrible. Feeling sorry for herself too, right? She's just there, discouraged, no hope. So point number two, when we're trying to find how to go from the wasteland to the promised land, out of life's hardest trials into blessing, number two, choose to get better, not bitter. Choose to get better. Don't get bitter. You know, the name Naomi means pleasant. It's a beautiful name, actually. You know, Naomi, pleasant. But the name Mara means bitter. Oh, growing up, for me, I was a bitter, bitter person. And you know, um, my parents, they were divorced when I was five, and I had a, I shared my testimony um, a few Easter's ago. And it was really hard. Like Pastor Sonny said, give sharing testimony is kind of hard. It's like very transparent, and you have to be vulnerable. And I tried to write out my testimony, and I shared it with my wife. She said, throw it away. That's junk. She said, you're sugarcoating everything. Just tell it like it is. Be honest. And I was able to do that. And so I shed a lot of tears. That was kind of embarrassing. But anyway, it was like, when I was growing up, it was, it was just so much turmoil in my life. As my parents were divorced, there was like a lot of drugs, a lot of violence, a lot of alcohol. And we had moved from living in Kona at the time back here to Oahu. And when we were small, I was five years old, my brothers were three and one, and my mom was a single mom, and she's cleaning houses, and she's working so hard during the daytime, and just trying to provide everything that we needed. And there was just lots of turmoil going on. And, you know, I was growing up confused, angry, bitter. Lord, I didn't even say Lord. I just thinking out loud. Didn't like. I didn't know why. Why is everything like this? Why is everything so messed up? I would always say, Why is it? Why can't I have a normal family? Right? And I would always just be so angry and bitter. And I, you know, I, you look at your one of your pastors now, and you, I don't look like I got into a lot of fights and stuff. But I used to have such a bad attitude. Oh, Steph knows. We went to, she's my cousin. (laughs) And so I'd be like walking down the street or at school and somebody like hit my shoulder and then it would be a fight. It would be like, I don't know how I ended up in the back of this police car again, but here I go down Kaiser High School. Bitter. So angry. And so... You know, thanks to Steph, who never gave up on me, and Auntie Jerry, she, they, they, you know, God just continued to work in my life. You know, people God would send into my life. And so right when I started college, God sent these Christians, talked to me about Jesus. My brother became a, a Jesus freak. And he's like talking to me about Jesus. And by the grace of God, 
He saved me and he like filled me with hope and he took away all the anger and the bitterness and all these things. And I mean, I still have a long way to go. Everyone knows it. Thank you for having patience on me. You know, pastors aren't perfect. None of us are, right? And I'm a work in progress. That's what it say that above. You know, forgive me. I'm a work in progress. Be patient with me. But, you know, God has done so much in my life. He's made me better. Amen? Not bitter. And every day I have a choice to think about those things because we still deal with all these challenges and issues and problems. Jesus said, in this world, you will have problems. You will have challenges and trials. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen? He's overcome all of that. My heart was bitter and God healed my heart. When you are in a relationship that goes sour with whoever it is, somebody in your family, somebody in your workplace, you can cho- choose to hold a grudge against them or you can choose to forgive them. When you choose to hold a grudge and have unforgiveness in your heart, a couple of things happen. You become spiritually unhealthy. You become distant from God because that's sin in your life and sin always blocks your relationship with God. But you can also become spirit, uh, physically unhealthy. It can have health effects on you. You know, a lot of people who are bitter and choose not to forgive, do you notice you can see it on their face? You walk up, you talk to them, and they're, all they do is talk about themselves and their problems. It's like, okay, I get the point, you know, blah, 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 okay. Got it. And nobody wants to be around bitter people. God says you have a choice to become bitter or better. What are you going to choose? You know, don't let today or even tomorrow or even your eternal future with God be hampered by this bitterness. Because that's what it can do. It can keep you so bitter that you say, you know what, God? I'm going to blame you for this. I don't want to talk with you. It's probably your fault why I'm going through this. See, and that can keep us so far as to not even being walking with Jesus and being found in him, our eternal salvation even. Don't let that happen. Don't believe the enemy's lies when he tells you a situation is beyond repair. When you're living on empty like Naomi was, don't give in to the temptation that your life can't be full again. Full. You know, Ruth gives us the example. Jesus is pointing to her. God's pointing to her saying, this is your right reaction. This is what your reaction should be when times are tough. And you see the differences in Ruth's reaction compared to Naomi's reaction. They both lost much. They both, both lost everything But do you see the two different examples of the reactions, how they dealt with it? Naomi is callous. She's negative. While Ruth is hopeful. She's positive. You know, Ruth, she wouldn't let her circumstances get her down. And she was going to cling to what is right, even though she didn't feel like it. She's going to cling to what is hopeful. And she would not leave Naomi's side. She chose to get better, not bitter. And things would get better for the two of them. It's so awesome. Verse 22 says this. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem. 
as the barley harvest was beginning. And this is just one sentence, but I think it speaks volumes. It's so important in the story. When did they arrive back? Right at the barley season harvest. And I think God is saying, you know what? There's a new season beginning. There's a new harvest for you. This is hope. Number three, you can write in your notes, choose to believe Jesus has a new beginning for you. You have to choose to believe he has a new beginning, a new season of harvest in your life. Your story, whatever it is, whatever it was, it isn't finished yet. God has so many more chapters to write in your story. And this next season can be a season of harvest, a new beginning, a new chapter. Look what he did with Ruth. Look what he did with Naomi. Chapter 2, the new chapter. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, Elimelech, easy for me to say, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turns out, turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech, her family. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. You picture him on the scene. I don't know why I picture him. Just big, jolly guy, beard. Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. Not, not Santa. <laughs> kind of. Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Sorry. I gotta, this is them now. The Lord bless you, chorus. Boaz asked the overseer, overseer of his harvesters, Oh, hey, buddy, who does that young woman belong to? And you see from there the story is set. And next week, Pastor Sonny's going to come and preach on the final three chapters, or two chapters, and he's, I don't want to steal his thunder, so I've got to stop there, okay? So we see here a new beginning has started for them. A new blessing. They've made it to the promised land, And God has something in store for them. You know, Ruth was willing to do, she was so humble. Just willing to glean in the fields and just get food for her and her mother-in-law. She's just going to pick up the stuff the harvesters left behind and they would do that for the poor. They would always leave extra for the poor, which is another great principle for us to learn as well. But she was gleaning in the fields, picking up and... As it turns out, she was in the field of somebody in Naomi's family. From the field of Boaz, a respected, righteous man of God. That was a blessing that was coming, a new beginning. Wow, his name was Boaz. He took an interest in her, and then he said, I'm going to protect her. I'm going to look out for her. I'm going to make sure that she feels blessed. Eventually, I'm going to love her. And you know, it reminds me so much, talking about Brazil with that story, the documentary. And did you see the statue that was overlooking Rio? Does anyone know the name of that statue? It's called Christ the Redeemer. 
huge statue. And whenever you see pictures of Rio in Brazil, they always show this. And I just was thinking about this statue, and I'm thinking, wow, it reminds me, just his hands held out, as if he's inviting everyone. For those of you who are hurt, for those of you who are going through a hard time, going through a wasteland, I have healing. Come to me. You know, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I picture the statue like Boaz. Overlooking Ruth, going to protect her, going to watch out for her, going to love her and bless her. Same thing, think the people who were designed that statue were saying that God said, Come to me, everyone who is weary and heavy laden. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're going through your own wasteland. Maybe you're suffering through something that somebody doesn't even know about. Jesus is saying to you, All I want you to do is come to me to find rest for your souls to find the promised land where you're in a right relationship with Lord Jesus, with Christ the Redeemer, who can redeem you from every sin. Amen. I'm going to have the worship team come on up right now. You know, in Jesus, he's really the fulfillment, as he is in every book in the New Testament. Church, look for Jesus in every story, in every verse, in the Old Testament, throughout the whole Bible, because it's always pointing to him. And you start to see this example of this righteous young woman named Ruth, of Boaz, this righteous man. And it points us directly to Jesus. You know, in Jesus, God promises to never leave us, to never forsake us, to be there for us, just as Father Damien was for the people, the lepers in Kalapapa. Amen? Wow. To stick even closer to us than a brother would or a daughter-in-law would with her mother-in-law. You know, in Jesus, God promises, promises to heal our broken hearts, our broken lives when you come to him. In Jesus, God promises us, us to give us a new beginning, to start a new chapter in our lives. You know, Jesus, the Redeemer, he's gone to the cross on our behalf where he took up every sin where his arms are held wide open saying, come on home. Come back home to me. You know, God has done an amazing thing in my life. He's taken me from being so angry and bitter and lost and brought me back home. I still have a long way to go, but he's healed my broken heart. He's taken me from my wasteland and brought me into the promised land, into a relationship with Jesus. What are you going through today, church? What is your wasteland? Can we have everyone stand up right now? We're going to close in prayer, then with our closing worship song. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever your past has been, Jesus says he knows 
He has a hope and a future plan for you. He's going to work everything that you've gone through and will go through in your life for the good. He promises that. For those who love him, he'll work it all out together for the good. For those who love him and are called according to your purpose, may that be you today. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you give us hope. Lord, you send people like Vic Moniz, the artist, to make something beautiful out of a wasteland. Lord, you send people like Father Damien to live amongst people who the rest of society has said we don't want them around Lord we thank you for the example of Ruth who said where you go mom I'm going to go where you stay I'm going to stay your people will be my people where you die that's where I'm going to die. But Lord, we thank you most of all for the example of Jesus, Christ the Redeemer, who holds his hands out open and he says, come to me to find redemption. Come to me to find hope. Come to me to find purpose. Come to me to find healing. So I pray for everyone right here in our church, Lord. I pray for all of us that we would, together as a church, have that humble attitude to say, Jesus, I need your hope. I need your help. I receive your healing this morning. Come, Lord Jesus, and be with me. I want to receive it right now, even. I want to receive a new chapter into my life, a season of harvest. One that I can take all the pain and use it to bless somebody else who's going through the same thing in the future. We thank you so much, Lord. You offer this us to us this to us today. We receive it, Lord Jesus. We receive you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.